and so my business partner at the time, one of my best friends from high school, um, he was coming up to so we could go out there so I could bring him to the business. I told him, like, yo, I got a good idea. I think we can make a killing. And at the time, you know, we had the company Dopeaholics. But we didn't have a website, nothing. I was just going to pass out stickers and show him the lay of the land. And I remember right that right before it happened, I had messed my knee up playing basketball. So I was out there on crutches. But he called me, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to make a Dopeaholics hat when I come up there. And I was like, hey, man, as a joke, I was like, maybe I'll make American Dope again hat too. And so he brought it up. So I'm on crutches going into the event. And as soon as we walk in, of course, everybody's staring at the hat because it's election season. Yeah. And, and we got approached by High Times. Everybody was like, yo, we're like, yeah, I have to get this hat, you know, in our stores. Everybody, it was, it was, we were the hit. And I was just the hat and stickers. Like I said, we didn't have a website or anything. So I went to the hotel room that night and trademarked it. Welcome to the network. Our attempt at creating a modern podcast version of the Negro Motorist Green Book. If you don't know anything about the Green Book, I invite you to Google it. With each interview, we are building a network of talented professionals that you can reach out and touch. Every episode is an invaluable resource for black people living in and traveling through America. Subscribe to the network. You may need it. Today's guest is Roderick V. Hinton, Esquire. Rod is a Southern University grad, a University of Oklahoma College of Law grad, and the Chief Visionary Officer of Dopeaholics LLC, excuse me, Dopeaholics International LLC. You can follow Rod and Dopeaholics on Instagram at Dopeaholics420. Rod, welcome to the network. Thanks for having me. How you doing today? Man, I'm doing great, man. Glad to have you. Let's dive right into this thing. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, let's see. I'm from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma originally. Uh, of course, I graduated from the Southern University. I got my Bachelor of Arts in Political Science in 2005. Uh, then I went to the University of Oklahoma College of Law in 2005 and 2008. Uh, from there, I was in oil and gas for 12 years, living the good life. And then after a while, you know, God put it, put it on me to go, go on my own. Uh, so I left in 2017. And for the past three years, I've been on my own trying to get it. Uh, mom and dad have been married 50 years next year. Two older sisters. Uh, I'm the baby boy, only boy. No wife, no kids yet. One day. So... I- you and your dad have this mantra. Mm-hmm. T- tell us what that what that that family mantra <laughs> is that y'all had. Uh, yes, it's been instilled in me since. Uh, man, I can't even remember how when I first when he first said it to me. Maybe when I was five, I don't even remember. Um, uh, he would ask, "What are you?" And I had to respond to Hinton. It's our last name, and then he would say, "And, and none better." So. Uh, that's been instilled in me since I was a little kid. That, you know, my last name was powerful, and that we were the best. Where, where, where are your parents from originally? Uh, my dad's from New York, Staten Island. My mom's from Mississippi. How, you, I'm curious, man. How, how did a New York guy meet a Mississippi woman? <laughs> uh, he was in the military, and after he got out, um, he moved to Memphis. 
that's where uh, he met my mom at. The story goes, I don't know if this is true, but he was selling insurance. I guess he knocked on her door. She answered, and uh, he came back and said, I'm, I'm going to get her. So I guess he went back and knocked again. <laughs> 50 years later, here we are. That's what's up, man. He was selling more than insurance. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up, man. That's, that is awesome. So you mentioned working in oil and gas for 12 years, and then you decided to quit your job in 2017. Uh-huh. Then you moved to L.A., to get into the cannabis industry full time. And also you have your own law practice out of yes, OKC. So Brandon, mm-hmm. talk about, first let's talk about law. Why okay. law? What, what, what made you interested in law? Um, originally when I went to Southern, it was between um, being a doctor and a lawyer. So when I first started at Southern, my major was pre-med. Um, I was going to lab class a little too much. I, didn't, I really didn't like cutting cats and everything. And, you know, my skill set was more geared towards uh, debate. And I was trying to be an Omega at the time, <laughs> as you know. So uh, yeah, wasn't really conducive to uh, <laughs> my, law, my lab classes. <laughs> um, so I switched over to law. Uh, originally, I wanted to be a sports agent, believe it or not. Um, my best friend, Lorenzo Harris, you know as well. We had planned to start a sports agency. Uh, he was going to do the marketing, and I was going to do the legal. After we researched it a little bit, we kind of didn't, didn't like all the butt kissing you have to do on the ground. Um, oh, yeah, I, I, went with, I went with the law route. Um, but I, I never really wanted to practice law, believe it or not. I just really wanted to be a businessman and do the law. I knew that was a deadly combo. Um, he being a black man, I come in and business and I say I'm a lawyer, I knew off the bat they were going to listen to me. Um, so I, I never really wanted to practice per se for people, you know, help people out. I, I really just wanted to be cold, cold-blooded. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So what what kind of law do you practice? Um, criminal, cannabis, and intellectual property. Criminal, cannabis, and intellectual property. That's an interesting combination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I was always good at criminal. Um, that was kind of my, my thing in law school. Well, that and oil and gas and intellectual property. Uh, the criminal stuff kind of fell into my lap, believe it or not, just because I was in the cannabis industry. And I had some uh, some friends that got into some trouble out here in Oklahoma. Um, as you know, like cannabis is still a, a sketchy business, so yeah. The laws are kind of forever changing and people, you know, get caught up with paperwork and stuff like that. You know, I had some friends that got raided. One got, you know, charged with like second degree murder kind of unjustly. Um, somebody's breaking into his bro and he killed him but because his license was lapsed. Um, they were saying he didn't have a right to protect his business and they tried to railroad him basically like that. He was uh, Pablo Escobar. Okay. Only because his license has expired, and so uh, he asked me to help, and that's kind of how I got into it. And after that, like my, my doors kind of just knocked off the hinges. Okay, okay. So was that the gateway? Was that incident the gateway that got you into the cannabis industry? Uh, no, no. Um, believe it or not, I had a client when I was in oil and gas. I was in Ohio uh, for 
six years, six years in Ohio, and we had a big client in Denver. And so uh, I, I was uh, charged with client entertainment a lot. So when they came in town, you know, they knew they wouldn't have the time. They would call me. Um, so return favor, I flew out there 2015 for uh, just to go hang out at St. Patty's Day. And, you know, of course, cannabis was legal um, in Denver at the time, well, Colorado, period. And so, of course, I'm like, you know, take me to a dispensary. I want to see what this is about. And I walk in, and, of course, I see, like, oh, man, this is, this is real business. This is big business. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm with, I'm with uh, there's two white guys. I'm with, they're talking, like, man, it's just open the dispensary. And in my mind, I'm thinking, like, I didn't say nothing out loud, but I'm like, I'm about to. And so we buy a couple of goodies, and we go to a party, a uh, company party. And, of course, I'm the, only, I'm the only black person there. So, you know, at that time, I'm not about to pull the little gummies or edibles I bought out of my pocket because, like, yo, I'm not about to get fired from my job with right. a client. And so uh, we're talking, you know, everybody's talking, music, drinking, St. Patty's Day. Everybody's in a good time, good spirits. And I think I turn around and I can see everybody passing weed around the room. And then at that point, I was like, oh, man, they smoke too. <laughs> and so... The dollar signs went off in my head, and after that, I just went. I went full into it, and that's how I first got interested in it. And then after that, I mean, God just kind of opened doors, and it, I, I kind of just walked through them, and that's what He's been doing ever since. Okay, make America dope again. Mm-hmm. How'd you? How'd you come up Another with that catchphrase slogan? Catchphrase, uh, well, of course, you know, the Donald inspired it. Uh, so. After I had the idea in Denver to start to grow, uh, not to grow, start to get into the cannabis business, uh, getting ready to go to a cannabis cup. And the cannabis cup is an event that High Times puts on where they uh, they have them all over the world. But it's like basically like a big cannabis festival. So people, businesses out there, there's music, concerts, the whole nine. And so my business partner at the time, one of my best friends from high school, um, he was coming up to so we could go out there so I could bring him to the business. I told him, like, yo, I got a good idea. I think we can make a killing. And at the time, we had the company Dopeaholics. But we didn't have a website, nothing. I was just going to pass out stickers and show him the lay of the land. And I remember right that right before it happened, I had messed my knee up playing basketball. So I was out there on crutches. But he called me, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to make a Dopeaholics hat when I come up there. And I was like, hey, man, as a joke, I was like, make me a Make America Dope again hat, too. And so he brought it up. So I'm on crutches going into the event. And as soon as we walk in, of course, everybody's staring at the hat because it's election season. Yeah. And, and we got approached by high times. Everybody was like, yo, we're like, how can we get this hat, you know, in our stores? Everybody, it was, it was, we were the hit. And I was just, the hat and stickers. Like I said, we didn't have a website or anything. So I went to the hotel room that night and trademarked it. Um, and so the next thing you know, we had the website and we, we were going to sell it. Um, we launched in October three weeks before the election. So, I mean, I kind of watched the first election with a, uh, a little bit of bias <laughs> just because I knew, like, oh, he might pull this out. And then I yeah. knew what we had planned. So I was like, oh, this is about to be big. And we went to Vegas the week after the election. Uh, where it's a marijuana conference called MJ Biz. It's like the, one of the biggest conferences in the world. And so we shipped uh, a lot of hats out there. And I made, like, uh, I think we made, like, Fourteen thousand dollars in like two and a half hours, and after that, I was like, "Let's go." 
Enjoying this episode so far? Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google, Breaker, Radio Public, or Pocket Casts. Now back to the show. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. So I'm on, I'm on the website right now, mm-hmm. and it's dopaholics or dopaholics.com. Yes, sir. And I'm looking at the ethos, and I love this. Plant love, grow dope, trimmed out, roll freely, spark culture. Yes, I love sir. that, man. Thank I love you. it. Uh, It's been like a little play on words just to, you know, make it, uh, of course, it all hints around growing dope, but, you know, um, dope is such a subjective word that, you know, it it translates across a lot of different variables, a lot of different meanings. So try to roll it all into, you know, we're not just about selling weed and smoking weed, where this is more of a movement, a cultural thing, Um, just to, you know, bring people together, put dope, dope, put dope, the ideas and dope thoughts out into the universe. Yeah. Hopefully get dope returns. Listen, while it's controversial in some circles, cannabis brings people together, man. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, oh, like you, you said it earlier, it's like, oh, they smoke too? Yeah, it threw me for a loop. You know, um, you know, with the war on drugs and how cannabis first, a lot of people don't know that cannabis used to be legal um, in America. Um, so, Going back to the beginning when America was first founded, uh, you know, you had to dedicate uh, certain parts of your land to, like, growing hemp. So, like, the first American flag is made out of hemp. All kind of stuff is made out of hemp. Hemp was big, big business. And marijuana was, you know, big and medicinal purposes. Going back, you know, since the beginning of time, even in the Bible. Right. Um, and so it didn't really become uh, illegal until, you know, lobbying came in, like, um, racism, racism. I don't know if you heard the name Henry Anslinger and the Marijuana Act back in the 30s. But, you know, they basically was like, oh, marijuana makes, you know, black men and Mexicans act like savages and it makes, makes it crazy. Men. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And then you had like, you know, um, silk and, you know, hemp was, hemp was taking a lot of money off the table from like, you know, the cotton industry, stuff like that. Cause, mm-hmm. you know, so that messed it up. So that it was a real, real big play. And then the slavery coming away. This is another way to get blacks in jail, so why not string them up on marijuana charges? Marijuana has the stigma that it has basically because it was a political casualty. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah, so a lot of things, so we get a lot of what we did to make America dope again. A lot of people will say, you know, when was America ever dope? And then, you know, of course we got to play, like, you know, we'll go back to the 1930s, before that, like, you know, marijuana was legal. Yeah. Growing up, man, marijuana was, and don't be out there smoking dope. Don't be oh, using yeah. drugs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So now, and I'm not a a partaker of mm-hmm. the puff. Um, I have inhaled before in my <laughs> younger years. But, you know, I'm as I get older and learn more, my views evolve. Yeah. So, and this is a, one of those things where I don't know if I'm going to say so much evolving, but I like being much more informed mm-hmm. about the good things. Yeah. 
associated with marijuana. Let me ask you this. With your law background, are we ever going to get to the point? Can you see where we get to a point nationwide where people who are in jail for drug offenses, specifically marijuana-related drug offenses, are we ever going to get to a point nationwide where those cases are dropped? Uh, it's starting to happen now um, in some states. Uh, you know, for non-violent offenders, so you know, if you're just mm-hmm. selling drugs, you know, you're well, not here. You know, really, really, a bad actor. Those are starting to happen. So I think once it becomes federally legal, I think in like the next five years, it'll probably be federally federally legal. Um, Across, you know, across everywhere. So I think when that happens, you'll see the, the nonviolent defenders get out for sure. Okay. In your opinion, what what needs to happen for it to be legal federally? Oh, that's just going to be willing and dealing. Well, you know, that's that's it's big money, like anything. Yeah. You have to figure out how they want to tax it, uh, where the money's going to go, how do you, how you test the people with DUIs. And you still have that uh, older generation said that oh marijuana is bad marijuana does this marijuana does that and not really knowing don't want to wish the death on people but you know older generation has to kind of die off a little bit that be you know the grandparents the grandparents down in the deep south the bible belts things of that nature that all they heard was marijuana was bad marijuana was bad and you know the evening news show black dudes going to jail marijuana bust here marijuana bust there so i think it's really people becoming more informed but i mean uh, it's, it's, it's happening. It's, it's a movement. It's, it's growing. Good it's crazy if you look about it, like, a lot of, another thing, too, like, um, alcohol and marijuana, they don't, they're a lot, they always lobby against uh, marijuana becoming legal because, you know, it cuts into their, their, their profits. But they have, like, documents from cigarette companies um, looking at marijuana in the 70s and trying to prepare for it, the legalization of it. Wow. So as soon as it becomes federally legal, like, they'll you'll see cigarette companies jump right into it. I mean, alcohol is already coming into it. They're already doing like alcohol deals with cannabis companies in Canada. Wow. Wow. My like guess is that person. it's probably, I could see it kind of being like the rollout of Brown V board in 1954. You know what I'm saying? It's like, all right, segregation is illegal, but my mom graduated high school in 1971 and it still wasn't integrated. She still went to an all black high school. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So I could see the rollout for the legalization of marijuana across the country kind of trickle, you know, like that. Because what I'm thinking about is, all right, so marijuana is legal. So can I smoke it on my lunch break? Yeah, so that would be the whole key. So it, it depends on the state. Um, a lot of people aren't for it uh, being out in the open yet. Mm-hmm. It just depends on the state. I think another thing that'll make it uh, way heavy on it is really state budgets. You know, a lot of budgets um, in the states get crippled. And, you know, they see this, this big revenue from marijuana where, you know, budgets are being met. Education um, is being funded. Teachers are getting raises, you know, medicine med- Healthcare, everything is being funded by, you know, marijuana. I mean, almost look at it like, you know, Alabama football, you know, a football school who funds all the sports programs, the football team. The football team, right. 
you know, and so all these other teams eat because it's football season. That's why they, they want to play football right now. <laughs> but, right. <laughs> uh, so marijuana is the same. You no, know, even in Oklahoma, I didn't think Oklahoma would pass so fast. And now it's one of the most one of the most conservative states in the country. Is has the most liberal marijuana laws. Interesting. And it's crazy. Like everybody's like, this is the new wild wild west here. Like, I went to California thinking like, you know, California was going to be the wild, wild. and it, it is. But as far on the, the legal side, you know, California is behind Oklahoma, and California is the mecca. But I think people like, you know, California, even though it's recreational, um, it's county by county approval. So 70% of the counties in California don't allow for any marijuana activity yet. Whereas in Oklahoma, you know, $2,500 entry fee and you're good to go. Oklahoma saw the money. No, saw the money, man. You can go to stores. You can go to the shopping center. There's like three dispensaries in one shopping center. It's crazy. Wow. I mean, I was That's driving amazing. yesterday to take my nephew to get sushi, and I would say in uh, a three-mile radius, I saw 12 dispensaries. Wow. Man, buying marijuana is like shoe shopping. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's big money, man. Foot locker, champs, <laughs> finish yep. line. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right, man, let's uh... – Let's talk about your passion a little bit. Okay. You said the your why is generational wealth and your last name. You alluded mm-hmm. to that earlier, but man, take us a little deeper. Uh, on the generational wealth side, um, I really, I just don't, I don't want my family to be behind the eight ball. Um, so I kind of always study you know, family, big family names. Um, of course, going back to, you know, your Mansa Mooses and things of that nature, but even becoming, becoming more current, like the Rockefellers, um, the Bush family, you know, their back, the Bush background story is like really, really gangster if you ever want to, you know, look into it. Yeah. Um, it's just really dope how they started and all they produce. You know, I kind of just wanted that, that same thing um, with my name. I mean, I would take a million dollars, not even a million, I'd take you know, 500,000 if I knew my, my heirs would be billionaires. So, you know, I, I want to plant the seed, you know, just to change, to change, to change things, um, you know, growing up or even being in the circles I've been um, from law school, you know, to working in oil and gas, you know, uh, oh, you know, it was a uh, going from Southern, you know, one of the biggest HBCUs to go into OU law where I think in my class, there might've been like seven black people. Um, so, you know, predominantly white school and then going into, uh, oil and gas, which you already know was, you know, good old boy, all white, all white right. thing. That was the first black person I ever hired in my job. Um, and so being in here in those conversations that they had, you know, uh, sitting in those big meetings and then hearing their lingo and, and the things they talked about and even just taking it back to my family, even though someone did as an entrepreneur, there were a lot of conversations I never had with him because not because he wouldn't have them. He didn't know as opposed to, you know, them having those conversations with their parents, you know, and, and them, them, them knowing, having those talks. I remember my first day of law school, you know, we get your, you reading assignments and everybody has the assignment you're supposed to read. And I did my reading thinking like it's first day of law school. I'm going to be prepared. And I go in class. I remember it was constitutional law. And uh, the professor asked a question. 
and you know, people just throwing their hands up. And I'm like, yo, I don't know this answer. I'm thinking like, yo, what, what, where did I read that at? That wasn't in the reading. But you know, come to find out later, you know, their, their dads were lawyers, their granddads were lawyers. So this is, these were conversations that they were having at the table, you know, when they were six or seven, you know? My dad, I remember getting drilled on my multiplication tables when I was four. I learned how to multiply before I knew how to add, but I didn't get, I didn't talk about taxes and things of that nature. Yeah. And so, um, I kind of, I just want, I want, want my last name to be remembered. And I, I want it to be big. So I think that's always been my, my, my thing. It's about me, but it's, it's not really about me. Cause you know, you got to push it forward. Um, if we want to play, if we want to catch up and you know, it, it takes generational wealth to catch up and you know, your generational wealth just can't really be about you. So, you know, there's things I want to do with, you know, building schools and, you know, but I think, um, in my quest for generational wealth, I think I look at black people, you know, a lot of our things we think is supposed to be equal right now. Yeah. And in my mind, it's always just about infiltration right now. I think our job is to infiltrate. And then, you know, come back, open the door. Almost like the Trojan horse. My job is to kick some doors down so that my children can come in. Yeah. You know, so that's that's how I look at it. I'm not going to win every fight in my generation. Mm -hmm. But I can build some weapons for my kids to fight in their generation. Yeah, that's the key. You know, so, man, do you think as Black people that we can catch up? You know, let's, I I don't even want to talk about the debilitating effects of 400 plus years of slavery and Jim Crow. Yeah. I'm referring to the the lack of trust in our community. Uh You know what I'm saying? Like some of the the internal hurdles that I see in our community that I think keep us from moving as fast as we possibly could. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say, like I say, just trickling back to even um, being in white America, like deep, deep white America, you know, when I was in oil and gas. Man, they go through the same things that we go through. So okay. we think that they're, they're uh, they don't have the backstabbing, you know, and I mean, you think about it, they fought a whole civil war because <laughs> they couldn't get along. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and like really killed each other. So, you know, you look at it now, like Democrats and Republicans, you know, we call them Democrat, Democrats, you know, and Republicans, you know? So, I mean, they have the same thing, but the thing, the thing I noticed um, when I worked in white America is like, when it came time to get business done, they put the issues aside. And so they can hate each other. They might despise this person as soon as they walk out the office. It's back to talking about them like they were a piece of trash. But when they came to office to do work, it was time to do work. Um, I think, I don't even think that it's like really um, the mistrust that hurts us more than we try to force one thought. So, you know, like with cancel culture and everything like that, it's like a, if you don't think this certain way, then it's not black. We're not, we don't, we don't uh, entertain diverse opinions yet. We're more so diverse in appearance than we are in thought. Really, 
understand that. But I mean, even if a black person is a Republican or whatever, like, or a Democrat, independent, somebody's for this movement, that movement, I think it's really just a, of not having to be on so much on one accord as long as we're all further on the race. I, I agree with you on that. Because when we have disagreements, it appears, let me, let me say that, it appears that when we have disagreements in the House, that everybody in the House is done with each other. You know, as opposed to, yeah, man, let me, let me listen to that and consider that. Yeah. Well, we don't entertain it, so you know we, we get caught up in the emotions and not the facts. Yeah, we still gotta we gotta keep growing. We gotta keep yeah. growing. And it takes time. And I tell people, you know, we only whether we get the right to vote in six years ago. Right. So you say forty years of you know oppression, and we only been going at it for sixty years. But you know, we we're coming. It's just a matter, you know, really people playing their parts, playing playing their role, doing our doing their part, and everybody doing their role. Everybody, you yeah. know, lifting as we climb. And I think people need to understand that what we do. So right now, I'm trying to pave the way for my my grandchildren. You know what I'm saying? So uh -huh. I want my kids to, all right, let's get on the plan, but understand that I'm not just looking out for you. I'm looking beyond you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then my, I want my children to really understand that their purpose is not only for them and their children, but their grandchildren, mm -hmm. you know? So if we can, I think if we could instill that and really understand that, it starts in your house. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Charity starts at home. But I think if we could understand that in the house, in the neighborhood, in the community at large, I think we can get some traction. Yeah, I mean, just the whole, like, you know, it takes the village to raise a child, you know, it takes the whole village. We got to stop just focusing on the child, and it takes that whole village to, you know, form the community. Right. You know, keeping the dollars in the black community, supporting black businesses, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's incumbent upon us um, to get it all right, you know, to get it fixed, to get it handled. And, you know, like I said, all, all, be, on, all, all be on one accord, but, you know, have, like I said, having diverse thoughts, like every race has it. I think there's a misconception that, you know, we as black people, we can't get it together because, you know, we beef, we bicker, we do this, we that. But, you know, like I say, look at the Senate. <laughs> look at look at America right now. Right. You know, <laughs> they beef, they bicker. They've been beefing and bickering, you know. Right. Since the beginning. Since the beginning. That's just human nature. And I think we right. we we make human human nature like it's just applicable to us. But now it's to everybody. It's just, you know, when it's time to get the business done, they put it to the side. What keeps you up at night? Oh, man, <laughs> the grind. Uh, I think in the questionnaire, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm a big boxing fan. So, you know, Mayweather had a thing. I don't know if you remember his little documentaries on HBO when he, right before the fight. Yeah. And he would be training. You know, you always say, you know, um, while you working, I'm working. And while you sleeping, I'm working. So, um, you know, once you get a, a passion and a purpose, like, you know, you know, it, 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 it haunts you. But not in the serious, like, oh, it's bad. It's just, you know, you, you're not worried about success. The drive. Like, it's the drive, you know, like, it's the next goal. Like, you're just knocking them down and knocking them down. 
And so I, and I think it's just because, you know, I see the end goal. Like, so even the successes we've had in the, in the brand so far, um, you know, being on Love and Hip Hop and Saturday Night Live and, you know, Wayne's tour band and Matt Barnes on his pro, his program, things like that, and like Dame Dash, you know, we, 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 we hit, hit it big. Um, but, you know, that's, it's just the beginning, you know, that's, that was just off of a joke, really. Like I told you that story, Make America Dope Again, like that wasn't even me, you know, really killing it yet. And so, you know, I, I see the, the bigger vision and the bigger picture, and I know I'm only it. You know, I always tell people in success is A through Z. Most people three, most people only look at Z. They don't know A through Y. And I I think in terms of the uh, the, the brand and what I want to do, I'm only at like C or D. Yeah. So, I have a long, long way to go. So, I said up at night, you know, I mean, if I'm in California, like everybody knows, I'm up. If it's nighttime, like I'm in my office, I'll be in the office till four in the morning. I'll be in the office till five in the morning. I sometimes I stay up all night, and it's it's just you know, it's an addiction, a good addiction. You know, I still get my sleep though. I mean, sleep is you know, it's health for health reasons. You got to get your sleep in, but yeah. You know, I mean, I got, I got to go. I got a vision. You know, when God puts it on your heart, and I, I think, and then I've seen God deliver. So you know, once you see God deliver, you know, you're only gonna put more on him. He's gonna put more on you, and then you know, I'm, you're gonna demand more of him. And so you know, at that point there, I don't, I don't want to let him down because he's, he's answered my prayers. The one thing out of all the people that I've talked to so far on the network, the one thing that everybody has in common is work ethic. Man, there is no, there's no secret sauce. There, there's, there's no secret, there's no magic pill. You gotta put in the work. That's it. That's good stuff, bro. Yeah, every life, man, every aspect, every, every field, every endeavor from athletics to, you know, business, singing, Whatever, whatever your craft is, whatever your gift is, you know, like, as I always say, you know, like, you know, talent is God given, you know, skill comes to what you do with it. That's it. That's it. One of my favorite quotes, man, Nick Saban, he said, it takes what it takes. And that's what, that's it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So mm-hmm. if you want to make it happen, bro, this is, this is what you got to do. Either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. Yeah, that's that's the key, and you know you gonna, gonna take some losses too. You know, like nobody goes undefeated. That's right. I think you know people. Some people lose, and you know, they'll take that L personally or that the L of devastation. I didn't went in business on your own. It's some scary stuff. I took some losses where oh it hurt, cut me deep, <laughs> where it had you questioning like, man, did I make the right decision? Did I make the right choice? I mean, you know, um, but you know, like if, if you want it, you, if it's for you, you gonna go get it. You got to boss up. And, you know, you got you got to go do what you got to do. I remember one time taking a loss. It hurt. Hurt deep. It was a, a batch of uh, concentrate we had. We're getting ready to, you know, to try like the vape pen things. And you know, cleared out. I cleared out my, you know, my four, uh, my, my my investment portfolio for this. And it took the loss. And I'm talking about I was sick, like like oh, like devastated, like yeah, that's that's <laughs> laying in the bed for 24 hours. I didn't want to move. Like oh, hurt. And you know. I remember, uh, I remember getting up and just taking a shower. My girl called me and told me to take a shower. And, uh, man, I got, I got in the shower, man. I probably prayed. It's the most gangster prayer I've ever prayed in my life. And, 
It's the only time I told God, I demanded, you know, God to do something. Yeah. You know, I told him, like, you know, I, I listened to you. I followed you. I'm, I'm out here because you told me to do this. So show yeah. up. Yeah. Do what you said you was going to do. That's it. And ever since I prayed that prayer, like, whatever I needed, I got it right on time. Man, that's what's up. I, I think people, I'm going to say this. We have no idea what God is capable of. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. the Bible talks about reasoning together. You know, it says, all right, if you, I'm paraphrasing, I'm paraphrasing here. Okay, yeah. people who are like Bible sticklers. Man, if he gives you the vision, the provision is already there. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So if he calls it out, he's good to finish his work. All right, yeah. man. A brother like yourself, with the type of vision that you have, what are you reading right now? Do you have any recommended books? Uh, I would say um, I read The Way of the Superior Man every year. Uh, it's by David Dita, D-E-I-D-A. And I read it a few years back. It's kind of become a little popular now because it was on uh, Nipsey Hussle's uh, list of books that he read. Okay. Um, I think that book kind of opened me up a lot as a man. Uh, put me more in touch with, you know, masculine energy, feminine energy, how to balance it all. Um, that and, and Shoe Dog. Uh, that's Phil, Phil Knight's memoir. Phil Knight. That was a, that was a real dope read. Um, I'm a big Nike fan. And uh, it kind of ta- it takes you to the beginning of uh, him having the vision to create Nike, and you, you, you read about the losses he took, um, how he came with names. It's 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 kind of dope. He realized how God was talking to him through it. Uh, like him when he graduated college, his dad gave him some money, you know, to just go travel around the world to see, but you know, find himself. And I think he wound up going to like Jordan. And Kobe and LeBron, everything, all the people he has, like right now, like that were boosted his brand. Like he, he like visited places with their names back then. Right. And so it's it's kind of crazy, but yeah, you see, like losses he kind of times he wasn't gonna make payroll, the business gonna have to shut down, everything, and then so it's it's kind of it's kind of a dope concept. Like I said, people look at Nike now, and you see like the, the Z and success, like Nike's a billion dollar company, blah 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 blah. You know, Jordan's selling out whatever, but you know, the A through Y is so crucial um, in teaching people about business, entrepreneurships, success, everything, like the grind. The yeah. grind, you know, never really, it's like a LeBron. You don't see LeBron in the gym. You see LeBron on game day. Right. My favorite play. LeBron. My goal. Yeah, I'm a, He's I'm my goal. I'm a Kobe guy, man. But I like LeBron, but LeBron got game. But, you know, give me Kobe. So, Man, just sidebar. I'm a Laker fan. But when they traded Shaq, man, my feelings were so hurt. Uh, <laughs> I didn't watch the Lakers for an entire year. Yeah. I know I no NBA. I didn't watch any NBA for an entire year, man. Man, my feelings were hurt. That's serious. I wasn't a Kobe fan, but the day Kobe died, man, I cried. Man, it, it cut me deep. A different type of dude, man. Like just to be, just to do that. So you know, that's why I became a big fan. And just watching them play, like, yo, this dude is really the truth. You know, 
I never really get caught up in the whole championships thing. You know, like I know Jordan has six rings and, you know, stuff like that. Mine is just skill for skill. Like that's the, you know, that's the most skilled basketball player I've ever seen, skill-wise. But, you know, I always say, like, you know, Jordan's the most accomplished, Kobe's the most skilled, LeBron is the most talented. Yeah. I've learned that I love basketball. Like, put it in a needle, and I, I can shoot it up. Like, I'm a junkie. I'm a basketball yeah. junkie, man. I've learned to appreciate the greats. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're all shaped different, all cut from a, a different cloth but they're all different types of dudes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's what makes them the greats. That's what makes them the greats. All man. right. So what you listening to, man? What 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 kind of music? Oh, man, I got a diverse taste. Uh, man, you know, really right now, the new Nas album, it's pretty fire. It came out yesterday. It's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty I haven't listened yet, but it's on my to-do list today. Yeah, it's pretty legit. I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big Jay Z fan. Um, I like Nipsey a lot. What else you got? Um, I like Sir. Uh, Sir is he's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty dope. Uh, Anderson Pack. I like him a lot. That's that's probably what I'm spending the most right now. Okay. Anderson Pack is dope. Yeah, I've seen him. Have you seen him live? I haven't. Next man, do yourself a favor. It's Probably one of the dopest shows I've ever seen. I saw him uh, with the Free Nationals. Uh, this is like his little band. Uh, it was in Cali, out of Coachella. I saw him, man. This show, his live show was amazing. Okay, definitely. Putting that on my list, man. Putting that on my list. See Anderson Pack live. Yeah, dude. All everybody. Right. Man, I know you're not a podcast guy. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you'll subscribe to this one since you've been oh, a guest. <laughs> trying to introduce you man, to a new audience who may not know you and your company yet, man, but man, I'm glad you're here. Ah, oh, man, thanks for inviting me, man. Definitely. All right, man. Two segments left. Okay. Rapid fire, and then the last segment is entitled, You Didn't Ask. Okay. All right? So we're going to do this rapid fire. I'm asking five random questions. Just come off the dome. Okay. All right, question one. I ask everybody this. If you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, man. Superpower. <laughs> uh, what would my superpower be? Man, probably I want to be invisible. I like being unseen. Uh, okay. I would say even in my current, you know, one generation of wealth, uh, Lorenzo and I, we'd always have a thing, man, RWG. It's a random wealthy guy. I, I don't want you to know my name. I don't want you. To, I want to be standing next to you. You think I'm just a regular Joe Blow until you see me drive off in a Lambo. So I want to be invisible. I want to be invisible. RWG, yeah, random wealthy guy. guy. I'm yeah. stealing that. <laughs> it's yours, man. I'm gonna give you credit the first time I use it. <laughs> After that, it's mine. <laughs> All right. Question number two. If you could be from any decade or era, which one would you choose? Any decade or era? Uh, man. I'm going to go probably the 70s. Okay. Why? Yeah, the 70s. It was just groovy, man. They, you know, it was real groovy back then. Real hippie-ish, you know. 
of course, you know, in the uh, euphoric state, seventies, you know, everybody was smoking weed, music was good, you know, the Afro yeah. style was amazing. Yeah. Like a, yeah. like a 70s, you know, seeing all the black people with afros, you know, rocking I can out. Be. Yeah, hey, you know, <laughs> everything was groovy, man. All right. Here we go. Question three. What is your favorite summertime activity? Mm, favorite summertime at uh, golf. Golf and rooftop patios. Okay. What's up? That's what's up. All right, question number four. What's your least favorite beverage? Hmm. Least favorite beverage. I'm not a big pop drinker. Okay. Or soda or cold water. <laughs> cold drink. Depending oh, on where I was you about are. to say, you might have to translate that. <laughs> yeah. Different parts of the country. Yeah, it's called it different things. Yeah, we call it pop. I'm not a big pop drinker. All right. Pop, cold drink, soda water. Yeah. Depending on uh, soda pop, wherever you are. All right. Question five, man. Here's the last question. What is one food that no matter what, you're not giving up? What is one tool? Food. Food. Oh, food. Woo! Man, I'm a foodie. Oh, one food I wouldn't give up. That's hard one. That might be the hardest question I've had to answer. Uh, let's just go steak. I'm gonna go steak. Okay. How you like your steak cooked? A uh, medium rare plus. Medium rare plus. Okay. Yeah. Not bad, man. Not bad. All right. Appreciate that. All right, man. Here we go. Last segment. This last segment is called "You Didn't Ask." You didn't ask. So, what unsolicited advice? would you like to share for this segment entitled, You Didn't Ask? Uh, what unlisted advice? Learn the law. Especially as black people uh, and us as black men, like, learn the law. You don't have to go to law school to learn the law, but um, I would say with today's unrest and, you know, social media, um, everybody's a lawyer, everybody's got an opinion on social media, but it's a lot of, a lot of times it's based in, in emotion mm-hmm. and not, and not logic. So, you know, like learn the law, like that's how we lose because we don't know the law. Learn the difference between first degree murder and second degree murder, the elements of crimes, what you can do, what can happen when you get pulled over, like everything involves the law. This Zoom that we're on right now, there's laws they have to follow. You know, to the iPad I'm holding in my hand, the bandana around my head. You know, it's laws for that. So yeah, like learn, learn what's legal and what's illegal, and how you know you can maneuver between the two. Okay, that's good stuff. You didn't ask, but there it is. Learn the law. Yeah, I won't even charge my hourly rate. Free, free smoke. Free smoke. All right, Rod. Man, I appreciate you joining us today on the network. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Make America dope again. Man, what an excellent, excellent interview and insight into some of the things that are going on in the cannabis industry. Great conversation with my guy, Rod. 
Thank you for joining us this week on the network. I hope you were pleased once again. For more info on Rod Hinton and Dopaholics, check the show notes. It'll tell you where to find them on social media. You can also see his recommended reads, etc. Also, make sure you check us out. Give us a follow on Instagram, the underscore network underscore podcast. Also, follow us on Facebook, the network with Michael Prejean. All right. There's one more thing I need you to do. I need you to go over to iTunes. All right. Go over there. Give us a five star rating. Truly appreciate it. Then I need you to tell a friend about the podcast. Share, like, retweet. Everything you do moves us in the right direction. Now, be sure to tune in next week. I'm bringing my sister on. She's going to talk about some very personal things. I really think it's going to bless your life. So come back next week. Give us another listen. Subscribe to the network. You never know. You might need it. Until next time, peace and blessings.